Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of We're Going There. And today I'm so excited to go there. Now, if you know me, you know I love to cook. Before there was the Food Network's fame show, Chopped, my dad taught me how to make a feast with a few random ingredients and a whole lot of love. By the age of 11, I was making pasta et fajol alongside of him. By the age of 13, he put me to work as his sous chef wrapping egg paper and homemade wontons. By 16, I was making roasted salsa with a mocha head And by 18, I had mastered my famous manicotti. And by famous, I just mean my family loved it. But whatever, you could be the judge. Food isn't just part of every family in every culture and continent. No, if you are a person of faith, specifically the Christian faith, food is part of our faith. Now, from Sunday afternoon church picnics to the taking of communion in church, food occupies a prominent place at the Christian table. Take a look at the Bible for evidence and explanation. Literal and figurative references to fruits and grains, spices and breads are in the verses of the Bibles from the opening book of Genesis in the Old Testament through the very last chapter in the final book of the New Testament, Revelation. In the book of Luke, Jesus is either going to a dinner party, at a dinner party, or leaving a dinner party. Based on his behavior, Jesus was always sitting down and eating with people. In fact, if you still don't believe me, the Pharisees actually accused Jesus of being a glutton. What's that? Somebody who eats too much. But this isn't just in the life of Jesus. No, in the pages of the Old Testament, milk and honey are used to symbolize the land, the promised land's fertility. In Micah 4.4, the image of everyone sitting under his or own vine and fig tree is used symbolically for security and well-being. Jesus describes his followers as the salt of the earth, and he describes himself as both bread of life and living water. If we sit down for a meal, there's an opportunity to get to know somebody better. When you break bread with somebody, there is a place and a space where you can go deeper to know somebody. As we're about to find out from our guests on today's episode, when you eat with somebody, you are sharing a very intimate experience with something that is going to the most intimate places of the human body. Now, if food in the Bible indicates God's love for mankind, then his love is a verifiable love feast, okay? The Bible refers to food over a thousand times. Grain and wheat appears over 507 times. Bread is mentioned 466 times. I'm sorry if you're keto, but I'm just being biblical. And drink, whether wine or water, is registered at a whopping 452 citations. But that's not it. There's actually specified and particular food that we see the Bible include. Flour, honey, butter, cheese, broth, figs, grapes, and yes, even locusts. Now, don't say that that's not food because, friends, I've eaten a locust before. Yes, it was in Mexico, and it wasn't really that bad. Food's essence is the existence of the life in the body, mind, and spirit, and that fills the Bible's pages, emphasizing its total importance in our life. That's why I'm so excited to talk to chef and TV personality Artie Sakara on the show today. As we will discuss in the show, she will chat through the powerful relationship of food and the table and friendship and Jesus. But before she became a Food Network star, we learned about the crazy journey it took to find herself in a small Los Angeles apartment kitchen making recipes for YouTube. Yes, I hope you love Artie because I do. Enjoy the episode. And one more fun thing to include. In September, we'll be celebrating one year as a podcast. I've got some great tricks up my sleeves and some shows I can't wait to share with you. But one of those shows are going to be a hot seat with me and with you. So if you want to spend some time in the hot seat asking whatever, whenever, however, so that we could officially go there, you can email podcast at in the name of love dot org. 
And let me say that again. It's podcast at in the name of love.org. And producer Madi is going to pick three amazing people who are going to do the show with me as we dissect and discuss amazing things that eh, some people don't want to talk about because why not go there? Then we're not even going to have a hard start. This is the start. Already. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. I get really excited and I talk fast when I'm excited. Yeah. And so I feel like it's a bad Molotov cocktail because you are literally all the things that I love. Aww. You are a passionate Jesus follower. Yes. You are an amazing chef. You yes. have this amazing front of screen, behind screen knowledge, and you are a mom and a wife. Like I'm all those things. That's that's true. I mean, okay. So in the introduction, I share a little bit about how we met. Mm -hmm. And do you remember? Oh, this is a, this is a good intro question. Ooh. Do you remember how and where we met? Do I remember how and where we met? Was it at if? Oh, two points for you. I was okay, gonna give good. you one, but that was extra credit because that was like, I think that was like four years ago. And was it really? Yes. And we were in the suburban being transported. And yes. I was like, when you, when I saw you walk out of the hotel and into the car, I'm like, gosh, she looks so familiar. Yes, and I realized that happens a lot. Oh my gosh. I watched your entire episode of food networks. Yes. Yes. You know, star. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. I was well, so excited. It's funny because I've been watching you. I was like, I know this lady <laughs> Look at her in the flesh. And then I think one of our first conversations was about makeup, which I was it like, was. I love you. We're done. We're done. Okay. And can I, I'm going to throw you under the bus because you yeah. told me before we started recording that you actually put on lipstick to be on the I podcast. Did. <laughs> and you know what? I just, I love you all, all the more for that. So yes. Well, I know that you, you like to be done and you <laughs> feel, you feel like your best self when you're done. And it's actually funny because I ended up, I had this conversation with my girls. Like I have daughters, they're seven and they're five and they're precocious and they're smart and I think like most children know how to push your buttons. And so <laughs> when I wear makeup, they're like, well, why are you wearing makeup? Aren't you beautiful just the way God made you? <gasps> oh, <laughs> what, do, what do you say? Well, so I appeal to their own vanity by saying, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm just trying to look more like you. I'm just trying to make Ooh. my lashes look full and long like yours. I'm just trying to put a little more color in my cheeks so it looks like <laughs> yours, you know. So that, they kind of buy that. Well but done, most, mom. Most of it is just that they, I don't know. I think they can, you know, when I put makeup on, I say it just, it just makes me feel a little better about myself and it makes me mm. feel more awake. And usually if I'm putting makeup on, it's like, oh, I have work to do or yeah. I have somewhere to go. Yes. Okay. So this, I think is a great springboard because yeah. you know, a lot of what the work that you do now is in front of camera mm -hmm. and you used to do work as a producer on yeah. CNN behind mm -hmm. camera. But like mm -hmm. what I want to, I always just love at like starting at the beginning. So yeah. for those that don't know, there is this amazing accent. And so <laughs> you clearly are not from North America. Um, no. <laughs> I, I actually want to go back to childhood and kind of like where, how did you end up here? Here, yeah. Food Network, Chef, and like there's a whole ministry side where we're going to get into in a second. But like, <laughs> I just want to take us on that journey of like this chocolate skinned girl who oh, fell in love you. with television <laughs> and food because yes. it started at a young age. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, I love stories. I, I love TV. So I was born in India. I'm 100% Indian. We're from the south of India, which was colonized by the Portuguese. So that's why my last name, Sequeira, in Portuguese, you would say Sequeira, I think. Yeah. And so that sounds a lot more Portuguese than Sequeira. <laughs> and so um, my family has been Catholic, I don't know, since the 1400s. Um, so that's that part of it. But my my parents moved to the Middle East before they even had me. Dubai, and right? Dubai, yeah, yeah, because, you know, they just, my dad felt like if he stayed in India, he couldn't, he couldn't break through some of the ceilings that are in place there mm. when you're not one of the two major religions. Mm. So he, he moved to Dubai and uh, worked really hard. He had, they had me and I started, he, you know, it's that immigrant mindset, right? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice everything in my life so that my my kids have it better than I did. And so me and my sisters went to a British run school in Dubai because there's a huge expat population mm -hmm. in Dubai. And that's where I picked up this accent. And I, I'm sure when I walked into that school, I probably had a pretty thick Indian accent. And somewhere <laughs> along the way, I picked up this accent. And that's where that came from. And then my, again, same immigrant mindset my parents were like, you know, when it's time for university, we're going to send you to the States because the States is free. It's, it's about freedom. It's, they will welcome you there. Mm. And so they sent me here, which was amazing. I grew up during the first Gulf war, which is when I first saw real unbiased, uncensored news. Cause I'd never mm. seen that before in my life. And I thought that's what I want to do. And it, it, I think it touched this thing inside me, which was it's telling stories. It's telling the truth and it's telling the truth when, even when people don't want you to tell it. Oh yeah. It's brave. And you know what people don't know yet is like your ministry heart. And so even hearing you speak about this journey from back then, like that's still the cry of your heart for yeah. God's people. Okay. I'm, I'm jumping yeah. ahead. Okay, yeah. so Gulf War, no, that's okay. you fall in love with journalism. I fell in love with journalism and it was just, you know, it was just slightly outside of the doctor, lawyer, engineer <laughs> bracket, you know? So it was acceptable. Were your parents, and, okay, I was also going to yeah. say, were your parents were okay they're with it? They're pretty good about it. Yeah, they were really sweet about it. And they said, okay. And so I found the best university for journalism, which was Northwestern. And so I, I got in, thank God. And I started there. I, you know, landed, I had my, the first time I ever saw snow, I was 18, which was, <laughs> I ran out there. I was like, it looks just like it does on the Christmas cards. <laughs> and, um, and actually, and two things happened out of going to Northwestern one, you know, my, my passion for journalism just was ignited even mm. further. And um, also a different passion took place, which was that I met the man that I'm not married <laughs> now married to. Um, I met him on like the third day of new student week. So we've been together since we were 18. Wait, that uh -huh. I didn't know. <gasps> oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so were your parents okay with that? My mom's only question was, is he a Christian? Okay. Which is really unheard of in the Indian community. Like she was really concerned about his faith more than anything else. And I was wow. like, oh yeah, don't you worry. It's all good. So, um, 
Yeah. So that's how I got to the States and that's how I ended up in news. And then I graduated. I started working at Siena and I thought that I had died and gone to heaven. I was like, this is not so hard. I just got my dream job. I'm good. And then, but a little part of me is like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. And then, so this is so funny. Whenever I tell this story, I always say, and something bad's going to happen. And then I got married. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't the bad, right? That, that wasn't, wasn't the bad. bad. Okay, good, good. But what, ha- what ha- happened when we got married <laughs> is that I moved from New York to LA because my husband's an actor and that's where he was and we were long distance. And in moving to LA, I had to kind of start all over again, trying to find yeah. work in news. And it just wasn't happening. I had every qualification, every reference, it just wasn't happening. The doors were not opening. So I was at home and we didn't have phones back then. Like there was nothing to um, draw me down the rabbit hole. And I'm so grateful for that because what I started doing was cooking. And cooking had, I had never really cooked that much, even though my mom's an incredible cook and we're very opinionated about food. I had <laughs> never cooked. I baked, but that was it. But cooking was this real comfort for me. And around that time, I also, I wasn't a Christian. Mm. I was, you know, I'd been brought up in the Catholic church, but it wasn't real for me. And um, I had to hit this place of, I really felt like I was wandering in the wilderness. I felt like, I don't know what the purpose of my life is. I would wake up in the morning and I would say, um, Lord, I'm, I would, you know, I'd say, God, I didn't say Lord, cause I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, God, if you're real, I know you're real, actually, I know you're real, but if you have a purpose for me, then, then can you just share that with me? Cause otherwise I have no idea why you keep waking me up every morning. And if that's the case, if you don't have a purpose for me, can you, can you just take me home? Cause I would rather not be here. It was rough, you know, oh. it was really rough. And I was, it was in my twenties. And that's when like a lot of people are sort of really on a trampoline in terms of their career and progressing. And I felt like I was just treading water and I was worthless. And um, it was really, it was a really dark part of my life. But that was when I think something in me was ready to really open up to the story of Jesus and the story of who he is and what he wants from me and what he was willing to do for me. Mm. And that's around the time that he saved my life. Wait, so to clarify, that was kind of like your yeah. come to Jesus moment. That was like, literally, give me a purpose and reveal yeah. yourself to me. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so wait, so your, your now husband, but your then boyfriend, he was a Christian. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. And he, he, he led me to the Lord. He really did. Cause okay. I was, I thought I knew what I was talking about and I was very opinionated about it. <laughs> And so we would have conversations, you know, about different characters in the Bible and, you know, oh my gosh, I remember the day we started talking about Mary and I was like, don't you talk about Mary, you know, (laughs) Um, it was, it was really tough and it it was kind of a, I was like, wow, I've gotten this wrong my whole life Wow, because I had never had that concept of grace explained Mm. to me. That aspect was not made clear to me. I didn't get it. I didn't get what Jesus had done. To me, it was a brownie point system. And so my life until, until that, until my husband explained it to me, my life until that point was always like, I'm in deficit. There is a certain number of brownie points I need to be achieving in order to please this angry God, you know, and I am not achieving it. So I'm, 
I'm in trouble was how I felt. So speaking of brownie points, so the Lord begins to like heal your soul and there is Mm -hmm. a soul food that is provided. I mean, God's doing a transformational work in your life. And then at what point do you literally start creating soul food? Because you, (laughs) you started cooking and then that's just, that seems like a hard left. So you are, yeah you know, you're raised in, in Dubai with the wealthiest nations of the world. You come to the United States, you meet your now husband, you have this radical encounter with God, and then you become a chef. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about that transition. It was all sort of happening at the same time, right? Okay. I mean, we were living on my husband's unemployment check, so we were pretty poor. And so I had to cook, you know? And I remember standing in the supermarket and looking at the price of a head of broccoli and being like, how do I make a whole meal out of this so that we're fed, you know? Wow. But the other thing about cooking is that it it's some, the love of cooking and food runs hard through both sides of my family, through my father's side and my mother's side. So inevitably I was going to cook, you know? So part of it felt like a connection to my family and to my ancestors, but also it felt like here's a chaotic basket of ingredients <laughs> and I'm going to turn it into something beautiful and I'm going to create order out of chaos. And wait a minute, me, wait a minute. That was as really a, calming. Okay. As a food network watcher, you basically mm-hmm. invented chopped before oh, chopped yeah. was a show. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that in there. You were the original no, no. chop star. <laughs> I, I was a recipe follower to the, to really? the letter. Yes. And I oh. still am to a certain extent. It took, I actually, I took improv lessons because my husband was taking them and that helped me learn to trust my instincts a little bit more wow. and start to color outside the lines and make things up on my own. And my very first recipe that I made up was called I ain't chicken chicken. Cause it felt like <laughs> <laughs> it felt really scary to come up with my own stuff you know I'm a I'm a rule follower so um yeah it was a, it was a it was a period of it was in a really intense period my 20s into my 30s was super intense but so it what school did you go to because I, I remember reading that you went to a culinary school correct in California yeah Okay. My husband had gotten me a gift certificate to a culinary school in my neighborhood called the New <gasps> School of Cooking. Oh, that's and it, it was, yeah. yeah. And it was just, it was a semi-professional thing where I'd go once a week for four hours and they taught me everything, literally soup to nuts. And wow. then that meant that I could go and intern at a restaurant, which I still recommend to be the best way to figure out if this is what you want to do. And I worked, you know, I worked weekends in the back of that kitchen, making 5 million tomato salads. And (laughs) you know, that's, that's how you learn if that's what you want to do really. Okay. So then, so you fall in love with food, I take Mm -hmm. it. And then I, I, I'm like, what was the jump between, you know, 10,000 tomato salads? Like you (laughs) just love, I'm hanging off of your words. Like I'm sucking a tikka masala (laughs) chicken at side note, side note. Yeah. I made your recipe for How'd our staff. I made it for oh. our staff. So once a month we do soul care. And so my husband oh, is the strategist and he's logical and he's does all the direct reports. And I just really care about like the nourishment of our yes. staff souls. Right. So yeah. I just feel like I have to cook for all of them because that's just mm-hmm. how I love. And mm-hmm. my friend went to Morocco and she got, um, 21 spices is I wow. think 21 spices, something like that. And so I used your recipe and, um, and then added that spice pouch from Morocco. It was divine. It oh, was good. Hands down, everyone loved it. It was, yeah, they were thoroughly fed. Soul. That and makes me stomach. so happy. So that makes um, me so happy. Okay. So how did you go from 
tomato salads. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. saying it the way that I do. Tomato, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Come over, come over to the side. <laughs> How did you go from tomato salads? Mm-hmm. To, I mean, I take it. Did you audition for Food Network Star, or did you yeah. say tape? So, so clearly, you got the back end side of things, and then you're doing improv, which I didn't know about, which is so fun. So you're yeah. Doing cooking and improv and you have a producing background. What mm-hmm. was the leap between then and then Food Network? Um, somewhere along the way, someone had said to me, you know, but, so let me take it way back. The two games that I would play when I was a little get, kid, the imagination games I played, one was a uh, news presenter. So I'd sit at the dining table, <laughs> I'd hold the newspaper and read it as if I was an anchor. And the other game I played was cooking show host. So somewhere in the back of my brain, that was, I wanted those things. Yeah. So I think when I started cooking, part of me thought, you know, I, I know everyone thinks this, I'm sure, you know, you watch, you watch people doing cooking shows and you're like, I want to do that. That looks like fun, you know, and I have some things to say. And so, um, a friend of mine had said, just make your own make your own cooking show. And I had said, no, imposter syndrome. No, I have nothing. I don't have enough to teach people. What do I know? I just started, you know, what would I have to show people? And she said, why would you focus on that? She said, my favorite part of coming over is standing in the kitchen with you and we're drinking wine and we're talking and you're cooking. That's my favorite part. And Mm. really anytime you have people over, that is everyone's favorite part. They stand in the kitchen with you, even though there's no room and there's flames and fire and knives and sharp things, but they still stand there with you (laughs) because we're all attracted to the kitchen. We're all attracted to the hearth and the fire and the, and the creation of sustenance of, of this food that's going to go into your body and touch really intimate places in your body. Um, And so when she said that, I felt like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try. And so we had tried, we'd had a couple of friends come over and shoot a cooking show. And it was hours and hours and hours of content that then another friend was going to edit. And it just was such a behemoth Mm -hmm. that it never happened. (gasps) And so one day I got so frustrated. I had an eggplant. I put some makeup on and (laughs) I picked up our little DVX camera. And it wasn't like, it wasn't built for shooting yourself. You know, I literally had to turn it around and shoot myself. (laughs) And I just was like, nothing doing, I'm going to make it. And I started shooting myself doing it. And my husband was sitting in the corner. And I remember I got to a part where I needed two hands. (laughs) <laughs> because I needed to chop oh, up wait, the eggplant. Wait, wait, time out. You were literally holding I was the literally holding the camera on myself for the entire recipe. You can no. find it. It's on YouTube. My very first one. Okay, yeah. time out. You know what we're going to do? We're going to yeah. put it in the show notes. Yes. Link to your YouTube video in the show notes and people can watch it. Okay, carry yes. on because now I'm, I'm on beta yes. breath. Yes. So then right at that moment, my best friend, Karen, happened to walk in and I was like, Karen, can you hold this? And so suddenly you see the shot change and it's me, two hands free and it's Karen holding it. So I made it. And then in the video, both Karen and my husband hate eggplant. And I had made baba ganoush, which is my favorite. I love it. Mm. Oh, so good. So good. Mouthwatering right now. Welcome to my shameless plug for cooking. If you know me, I love cooking and I love serving up meals for those that I love. Now, just in case you heard about Artie talk about baba ganoush, but it still feels too hard for you to attempt to cook, listen. 
The recipe only has four ingredients and it is so deliciously amazing. Here's what you need. Eggplant, tahini, lemon, salt and pepper. And if you're thinking, Bianca, those are five ingredients. Listen, I count salt and pepper as one. Well, moi, voila. You are a bona fide French kitchen chef. I'm linking the YouTube video in the show notes. But if you make this, post a picture and tag at Artie Party and at Bianca Oltoff so we can not only drool, we could share your cuisine accomplishments with the world. And I had them taste it on camera and they both loved it. And so there was just something about taking matters into my own hands and sort of putting these two parts of my brain together, which were like the producer side and sort of the on-camera side and the chefy side and kind of putting them all together and just doing the dang thing. It helped, it made me feel so empowered. And then after that, I taught myself how to edit on Final Cut Pro and I treated it like a job. I was like, each season is gonna have 10 episodes. I'm gonna come up with 10 recipes. And then my husband said that he would help me. And uh, so he started shooting and directing it and it turned into a cooking variety show, which is still a model that I believe in and I really want to do because basically whenever anything cooked or simmered or roasted or whatever, I would call one of my friends. We lived in LA, all our friends were performers of one kind or another. So I'd be like, can you come in and play the ukulele? Can we, can I come to your house and we'll do, you know, like we lip synced puppets to um, crazy by what's his name? You know what I'm talking about? No, Charles Barkley. Uh, Charles, Charles Barkley? No, yes, Charles Barkley, yeah. yes. Yeah. So we did like, a, I played the ukulele and then they r- ran puppets behind me. Like it was just this beautiful way for me to do what I loved, to bring all my friends together. It was, I loved it so much and we called it Arty Party. And so after I'd done that for about a year, three people from different parts of my life were like, there's a show called Food Network Star and you should try it because if you win, you get your own cooking show. And I was like, heck no. And then <laughs> my husband said, here's what we're going to do. We're shooting an episode of Artie Party right now anyway. We're going to shoot an audition tape. You're not standing in line. You're too good for it. That's what he said. And we're just going to send the video in and we'll just see what they say. And I was like, oh gosh, okay. So I sent it in. And I remember a few weeks later, my phone rang and it was a 917 number. And I was sitting there reading my little fantasy novel. I know, totally dorky. <laughs> and I, um, I looked at the 917 number and I was like, oh no, they want me. And I didn't pick it up because I was <gasps> so scared that I was going to go on that show and I was going to be humiliated and I was going to fail. And all of America would know what a failure I was. I was like, I know it on my own. I don't need everybody else knowing it, you know, but I listened to that voicemail and I really, I felt God compelling me to do it. There was no way I could say no. And so I did it and I won. Thank God. <laughs> I I love this. See the, all the details that people don't know. This is yeah. so fun. I feel like we're getting like, this is like inside <laughs> addition to your yeah. life. I love this. Okay. <laughs> so then after you won the show, uh, what did, what did that mean? What did you do? What was next? Well, um, within a couple of, within a week or so, actually, even while I was there, they said, okay, we're going to fly you back in a couple of weeks for you to shoot your own cooking show. We need 24 recipes staff. <gasps> and luckily I had them. don't cook, for people who don't cook, that yeah. is very difficult because you have yes. to test them, try them, make sure they're amazing. Yeah. And this is like your top 24. This is like your top best sermons. Yes. <laughs> You're recording. Oh, that's a lot. That's but- a lot. I had two seasons of Artie Party to go back on. <gasps> Look so at God. 
dude. Oh my God, I know. Will he, won't we? Yes. Um, yes. So I had all of those to pull on and then I came up with a couple of new ones and my husband helped me because he's an idea guy and we got it done. And honestly, at first, you know, yes, there was a ton of attention and like a huge poster on the side of uh, Chelsea Market in New York and lots of interviews. And suddenly I had 45,000 new friends on Facebook and all this stuff. <laughs> um, but in a way, our life stayed exactly the same because because it just it just takes a while you're starting all over you're starting a new career mm -hmm. it's a path that there's no manual for you're making it up as you go along and and frankly i was scared i was like wow we finally have this thing we don't have to live on unemployment anymore i don't want to mess this up mm. and i still i to a certain extent feel like i live there where i'm like this is a gift i don't want to mess this up and then i have to keep reminding myself this is a gift only God can take it away from you. Yeah. You can't mess it up. You know what I mean? Unless you do something really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you know, God's got it. And if he's given it to you, he's going to, he's going to keep handing it to you. Or when it's time for it to go away, he's going to take it away. And there's going to be a good reason for it. So that's given me a lot of freedom, but yeah, I mean, I went from sort of no one knowing who I was to suddenly being stopped at the grocery store and, being on a, on a panel with the pioneer woman who, at wow. that, you know, was my, one of my idols, you know? So it, it did change my life radically. And I, I am so, so grateful for it. So this is one of the things, I mean, I literally, sister, I could talk to you for hours on it. Cause this is so fun. And then we could do it over tomato salad. Yes. I would love to. So I feel like there's this, there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that you have with like food and God. And I don't know how to explain this because yeah. I get the God part and love the God part. I pretend to be a chef. I love to feed people. Yeah. I think because of your experience, can you talk to us a little bit about this relationship between food and God? You said something and I, it's ringing in my head. Matt and I started uh, the father's house around the kitchen Island and we were just, he had just finished his level two sommelier certifications and oh wow and he yeah and then before he went to go get his level three he became a napa specialist and then he began level three and so during this time i'm thinking like well what do you what are you gonna do with this like are you gonna yeah. make any money or like i mean is this just for kicks because this is kind of an expensive <laughs> hobby you know yes yeah and then and then like how do you tell people like i'm a pastor's daughter from very conservative home shout out to my mom and dad who are listening to this podcast <laughs> so i i just i never wanted to teeter on the inappropriate side of right. alcohol so i'm like well right. what are we gonna do with this right so that we started having dinner parties at our house mm -hmm. and there was something so religious that happened around our table now I, I didn't open up the bible there was no exegetical bible teaching but like breaking bread and being with people around the island i don't have a hearth in my house but i have the kitchen <laughs> island and yeah. there was something beautiful you're right they just would all we, we set up this long, beautiful table and no one sat there. They just were all around the island. And yeah. you said that you're, you're providing food for people that's going to the most intimate yeah. places of them. Yeah. I want to go back to that because I think that yeah. you do such a great job at that. And then I want that to dovetail into you're more than just a mom and a wife and a chef and a TV star. You're also committed to the local church. And I get so lit up by that. So yeah. um, talk to me about the relationship between food and God. Oh, man. I mean, I think that God, God truly understands that if he wants to communicate how essential he is to our lives, 
he is our food. He is our mm-hmm. food and he is our water. And I think that's why he constant. I mean, that's why Jesus said, I am your bread broken for you. And I am your wine. I am the living water for you. I think sometimes within the church and outside the church, we can kind of take the whole God thing for granted and look at it as like, oh, this is a nice crutch for you. I mean, I've had friends say that to me. Oh, that's good for you. It's nice for you if it makes your life better and it helps you. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is for everybody. We Can you go more than three days without water? No. So I'm telling you, you cannot go your whole life without God. That's what God's saying. I am yeah. that essential. There's that whole thing. Like you can go three minutes without air, three days without food, no, three weeks without food, but you can only go a couple of days without water. Mm. I think that's what God, that's why God uses food analogies so often. So that's one aspect of God and food that I, that I have learned over the years. And then another thing is that there's something so elemental about breaking bread with somebody. When you think back to Abraham sitting by a fire, you know, they work hard all day long and then you sit around a fire and you eat and you talk. And that's the last thing you do because there's no TV, there's no electricity, there's no lights. So when God turns the lights off, once your fire dies, you're out, like you're going to bed. So there's something, it's a beautiful bookend to your day. You start with breakfast, you end with dinner. It is, it, I don't know what it is, but there is something sacred and magical Mm -hmm. and something you can't put your finger on about when you break bread with someone. You know, it communicates that we're equals. You know, that's why I love, literally breaking bread with people. I love food that requires you stretching your arm out into the middle of the table to take a serving or dip something, you know, it pulls you back into the middle of the table because, you know, let's face it, we're all sitting at a huge table right now. And we forget, um, we just forget that we're all the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the table gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you forget that there's a middle. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's that moment in Lady in the Trap when like they're both chewing on the little <laughs> bit of spaghetti and their noses touch. And you're like, that's it. They're done. And in a, in a way, like that's what breaking bread does is, mm. you know, it pulls our noses together and it says, hi. Yeah. We're connected. We're connected. They, you can't go without food. I can't go without food. Can we agree on that? it hits you at that most, that base level. And Mm -hmm. then everything else, yes, you can disagree. That's fine. But, you know, I've had, I've had difficulties with people and then to their credit, they've said, can we go and have a meal? And man, this is in my unsaved days, people. Okay. (laughs) I would talk so much smack about them behind their back. And then I would sit down with this lady I'm thinking of. I sat down with her and we talked about it. And could I be as rude to her um, in person over food as I was behind her back. No. Right. There's something about like speaking to someone's face, first Mm -hmm. of all, and second of all, breaking bread together. Absolutely. It pulls you out of the nastiest side of yourself. Yeah. You know, it pulls you out of the gutter and it says, hi, okay, let's, let's be better than this. (laughs) this is so beautiful so you went from okay so i i saw like a bc version of Artie, Uh and that is you know this is before i knew jesus yes okay (laughs) so so you and your husband there's you guys are just um like a diamond multifaceted there's all these interesting like sides to you what you do and as a church planter you launched a church in la what area Mm -hmm. of la it was in mid-city 
Mid City. Okay. Yeah, very unchurched over there. Yeah. And so what made you guys want to say yes to such a crazy adventure? Oh my gosh. I mean, we didn't want to. And, you know, there, our pastor was leading the charge and she felt very strongly that there needed to be another vineyard. That was the church we were going to, another vineyard in Mid City. And my husband and I were like, oh, this feels like a really big risk and a lot of work and more time than we have and all of this kind of stuff. And then I, we were humming and hoing, humming and hoing. And then um, she said, and guess what? It's at the school that's like 30 seconds from your house. No. Yeah. Oh, you had no excuses. There's sir. no excuse. It's, it was like, oh, I guess in we're your in backyard. this. <laughs> yes, we are in this. And it was tough. I mean, I can't say it was a team effort and yeah. um, it's scary and it makes you wonder whether it's all worth it. And it makes you wonder, gosh, is the, honestly, sometimes, and I'm sure I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I'm like, is the gospel good enough for people? Meaning, are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? Like, I don't always appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not always waking up going, a man was tortured and bled to death for me. Yeah. And why? You know, like, I I don't always get it. So how are these people, how are they going to get it? You know? And so, but we saw so many, we saw miracles, we saw a woman mm. that couldn't walk, walk again. We saw um, families coming back together and coming back together at church. Mm. There are just so many stories of individual people whose lives are forever changed because, yeah. because we did this one, it was a small thing on our part. It was a big thing on our pastor's part, but we all put, we all brought what we could and it was enough. And it was, it was exciting. It was a lot of hard work. It was extraordinary. It was super cool. And what a cool thing that God invited us into. I love that. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a woman who's in culture, shaping culture. And yet you have found a way to do it inside and outside of the church. I think so many people sometimes walk away from church because they're like, oh, I want to impact culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they lose that love of the local church. And I feel like you, you walk that line so beautifully. And I think you represent so well. Oh, I don't, I, I think that it's very rare to see such a passionate follower of Jesus who is radically impacting culture. In fact, you have a couple new shows coming out on Food Network, yes, right? Yes. Um, wait, Food Wars. Halloween, they're both wars. So Halloween okay. wars and holiday wars. Okay. Um, Producer Madi told me about it and I was like, we have to mention it because yes. now people can watch. I'm going to be flipping through, see Food yeah. Network, and then they get to know you. Yes. And your inordinate love for tomato <laughs> salads. <laughs> there won't be that many tomatoes on this because it's all cake, okay. but there will be plenty of me making an absolute fool of myself. So. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to totally put you on the spot and yeah. I'm going to say, if you are ever in Orange County, yes. come to my house because I would love to cook for you. I would and love it. I'll be honest with you. You posted something on social media about a fried egg. Do you remember this? Yes. The perfect fried egg. <laughs> Do you know that ever since that post, I have not done a fried egg because I'm so self-conscious that my fried no. egg is going to be ugly. Oh, yes. No. yes. And I it's want you to so... do, I want you to look at my pans and well, actually Matthew yes. has to buy me all new pans before you come yes. over because I've had okay. this, <laughs> no legit. I've had the same pan since we got married and we're September. It'll be 11 years. Are they working? My cast irons, I'm going to yeah. die with them. I put literally yes. put them in my casket with me. I love Good. cast irons, yes. but the other ones, they weren't even, I mean, we were newlyweds and I didn't okay. know what I was buying. So, I mean, if it works, I wouldn't change it, but if you're not happy with them and oh, they're not working not. for you, I'm okay, not. well, and then I'm going to tell Matthew, you yes. know what? Artie says do pans yes. and do knives. I threw yeah, in the knives. You can go oh, ahead man. and take this as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate thank who you. you are. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate just 
your voice and being able to yes. share your time. And we proverbially broke bread today. I'm so grateful. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Bianca. Thanks for listening in. I hope this podcast was bread for your soul and baba ganoush for your hope, as in warm, delicious, and savory. If you like the podcast, do me a big favor and tag at Party on Instagram and let her know. Her story is a feat, and I love when we get to affirm people who take risks and share the love. Speaking of which, if you haven't written a review of the podcast or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, we're going there. It would mean the world to me and producer Madi to have you make this part of your routine. Sharing is caring, and we love seeing the podcast shared with ones you love. Can't wait to connect next week.